new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Here we go. I think we they just saw are... behind our scenes, Daryl. Did just, they just they see just behind our, our secret scenes? Weapon. The yeah. secret weapon. Welcome, everybody, to the first live all-star stream for the Canadian Real Estate Show. Welcome, everybody, in the chat. If there is anybody in the chat, welcome, everybody. We are joined live today by Mr. Steve Karish from BC. And Mr. Daniel Foch from Ontario, Mr. Matthew Pfeiffer from Saskatchewan. Joining our panel today, Mr. T.K. Butler, also from Toronto. And I will try and act as some form of mediator today, Daryl Frankfort. I am the only non-realtor on the panel, so we're going we're gonna to ask these guys some hard-hitting questions because this market is getting interesting, isn't it, guys? Yeah, is it so far? Feels interesting yep. from what's, my perspective. What's changed? That's for damn sure. What has changed? Good question. I'm going to ignore that. What has changed? Basically, it depends where you are, right? Right? Yeah, I think uh, nationally things are are not so bad yet. I, I, but I, I don't really have boots on the ground perspective. But Korea stats came out yesterday, right? Most, I think most. Um, most markets other than than the GTA and some markets in BC are up actually since the rate hiking cycle started. So, I mean, overall, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like interest rates have, have negatively impacted the national, but uh, greater Toronto area is a, is a whole different story. You know, lots of red there. Um, lots of red. It's scary. It's getting scary here, no? I mean, yeah, I mean, this yeah, is a panel yes. of 100% bears, right? Everybody's been a bear for a long time on this panel. And we all see the writing on the wall, right? Uh, we've all been screaming from the hilltops for a long time. Um, but I mean, the reality is, is this thing is dropping faster than any bear really would have thought, no? In the what, GTA, yeah, from my perspective, I, I think- uh, Sorry, sorry, Dan, interrupted. Yeah. What's the uh, delay on the live, Daryl? Are we live now? Yes. Are we live now? I don't know what's been going on up until now, but uh, okay, so. GTA falling like a ton of bricks. Are we good? We got. I hear echoes. We're on. Yeah, you're good. All right, we're live. Sorry for anybody that's been watching. We are now live here with our all-star cast from across the nation. Canadian Real Estate Show Live All-Star Stream starring Steve Carrot from BC. We have Daniel Foch from Ontario. Hey. Matthew Pfeiffer from Saskatchewan. And we have Mr. TK Butler also from Toronto. Everybody is here live. I think it is working. Welcome to the show. Uh, 
We just had a nice long conversation while we weren't live, and uh, now it's over. So thank you for joining us, and have a great day. We <laughs> solved all of the housing problems in Canada in that conversation, so we're just gonna yeah just leave it at that. Now it's lost forever. Wrap it up. <laughs> it's over. Maybe we have a recording. Um, so obviously, from every perspective, from everybody on this panel, the market in GTA, everybody's talking about it. It's all over the news. It is crashing hard here. Uh, but as Daniel Foch was saying just recently, it is not falling quite as bad in all regions. So what are we seeing uh, from your perspective, Dan, in the GTA? And then let's go out to BC and then over to Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, so I, I usually use uh, average and medium price uh, using Treb data. And, you know, th those look pretty extreme. Like, uh, I think you were kind of like up to minus 20% uh, in some areas. But then people are like, oh, that's way too, that, those aren't good data points. It's way too scary. It's way too bearish, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, I'll wait till Korea HPI comes out, the house price, price index. So HPI came out two days ago or yesterday, I guess. Um, we ran it through and it looks like, you know, the, the numbers are pretty damn close. Like, I think we're down, you know, 10, 10 at, a, at a minimum in the GTA or greater goal. Actually, I think minus six, like Hamilton's holding up pretty well. Um, but like, my, yeah, so like, 6% being like the bull case for, for a market in the GTA and, and, uh, 18%, I think being, being the worst, um, correction so far. And then uh, across the country, you apply that HPI number as well. Um, a couple of suburban markets and, and, and rural markets in, um, in BC experiencing the same thing. Um, and, and then everywhere else in the country is up since the rate hiking cycle started. Right. So, uh, and, and they're up like big, like, uh, you know, there's certain markets in, in Ontario, uh, Windsor's up like 20% since the beginning of the year. Um, Halifax is up like 20% since the year, 18% since the beginning of the year. So I'm like looking at these markets, I'm like, Hey guys, like, I, I don't know if you want to want to see what happened here in Ontario, but, uh, but this is what it looks like when we had those, those month over months gross. So yeah, let's see what happens. It's gonna hey, Dan, when you did your uh, comparison numbers, did you also account for the changes Korea made to the HPI? The, uh, the algorithm changed this month. So some no, of the numbers no, are a little wonky. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they could be maybe, maybe a little off. I, I'll, I'll talk to the guys. I actually don't, I don't run the numbers. Like I, I use the Habistat. I'm not sure if you, uh, if you've used their platform, but uh, if you just go to the habistat.com, it's pretty sweet. They, they like, it's a data science platform for realtors. Um, and uh, the their Canadian stats, like the HPI stuff, is all is all free. So um, I, I'll ask them. I don't actually don't know if they've updated it. Yeah, double check it because they recalibrated a bunch of stuff. And I know like my stuff that I've been running for the last five six years in Toronto, the numbers all of a sudden didn't line up anymore. Right. Uh, you guys went down a little more. Like we went up way more than should have type of thing uh, because right. they recalibrated some stuff. Doesn't that seem fishy? Like the timing on like recalibrating the HPI? Like, you isn't that terrible it? timing? They actually do do it every single year. It's just they should maybe talk about it more when they do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. They, it's like yeah. they usually always used to do year over year comparisons. And then all of a sudden, when it shows like a trend that they're trying to prove, they're like, let's look at the seasonally adjusted month over month numbers. Right. right? right, right and they just yeah. shift it around. Right. Yeah. 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 It's yeah I mean, look, like, uh, respectfully to our trade boards and regulators, like one of their primary functions is to protect the, 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 the role of realtors in the industry. And one of the Remember. easiest ways to do that is to, to create a information asymmetry and, and, 
put the truth behind the paywall of a realtor at two and a half percent. So, you know, as much as they, they help us on the enterprise ability side, they don't help the consumer necessarily. And they're, 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 Existence isn't exactly, exactly. So it's funny, right? It's a good early segue to some stuff we're going to get into a little later. What's going on out West there, Mr. Steve? Uh, The burbs are definitely hurting more than in town, which we would expect. I don't think it's a ton different than what's happening in Toronto, right? Uh, We saw out, you know, an hour outside of Vancouver, the market increased 50% just in 2021. So that's not good, uh, obviously. <laughs> Tell and, me that's not sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> so the the thing there is like, okay, Vancouver itself, I think only saw like 15%. West Vancouver, which is, you know, average home price, $4 million, saw a 2% decrease in the market in 2021. Right. So that tells me investors and, and uh, everybody else is shifting out. Maybe it was the, you know, work from home stuff or whatever. So it's shifted out and... Uh, pro- too much so obviously and now we're returning back to normal so if you increase 50 percent, you've got a lot more room to fall than the guy that only increased 15 percent all of last year right i mean that sounds fairly similar to to what happened in toronto and surrounding and then we have smack dab in the middle saskatchewan which probably didn't do anything it's i guess like a an actual stable coin in the middle of the country <laughs> Yeah, there's up two percent since the rate hiking cycle right. started. Maybe I don't I'll know. be the uh, the odd one out in this entire panel. We actually set a record for the most time our houses sold in a single month and smashed the old record. Um, so we're the oddball in the country, actually, and price is still increasing. That's funny. Love to I see mean, it. Make, yeah. makes sense though, right? Like if you're thinking about affordability, you're right? You're looking at well, where you know my interest rates going up. Where can I get more for my dollar? Well, yeah. And when we had Matt, Matthew on the show last time, it, it became very apparent that Saskatchewan was a good answer to a lot of potential people that maybe didn't have to, you know, work in an office or, you know, wanted to own a house and didn't care about where they, they lived necessarily. Uh, I know, Dan, you noticed something. You mentioned some stuff on Twitter about Saskatchewan as well. I mean... If you're okay, if you're an investor and you're okay you, and you're looking for cash flow, I mean, what's wrong with Saskatchewan? This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This Landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're gonna actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient. And it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before. Like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it. I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free. Please click the link below for your free trial offer. I think probably Saskatchewan is the only market in Canada other than like certain rural Northern Ontario markets that I'm bullish on, honestly. What do you what do you think about that, Matthew? Is that a good thing? Should we tell? Should we send no, everyone to Saskatchewan he, or keep everyone out of Saskatchewan? Yeah, no, don't tell my secret. I like up. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The fact that uh, we are you know significantly more affordable than anybody. I mean, what you guys have for a down payment buys a house in cash here. Uh, I like that right. that I can take a first time home buyer on a single income. You know, young girl that's a nurse, uh, she can go out and buy 
a house with a garage, a doubled garage, you know, in a great neighborhood. I love that. And uh, yeah. I'd like to keep it that way. Right. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, uh, and, and I don't want to hijack this thing, but like, what does it cost to build a freaking house in Saskatchewan? Because like, how does that, how is it, how can you buy a house for that? Like, <laughs> seriously, how does, or is there, there nobody building? Yeah, we're seeing buildings starting up a little bit. I mean, we went through quite an ugly downturn for about eight years in a row. Um, obviously, material costs really throw these numbers out that don't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but with land in building single family homes, you're probably talking uh, absolute bare bones, 300 bucks a square foot, you know, right. up so, to the so you can change it quite a bit. Um, but typically, you're going to see three to, uh, to 400 bucks a square foot. So same as here. So those houses that are selling for a down payment are selling at like negative $500,000 land cost, basically. Well, our land cost is, is so much cheaper, right? I like, think land cost you know, is- in a brand new subdivision is $90,000. Yeah. Right. Brand new subdivision. Exactly. I'm sure there's guys right now buying lots for 20 to 50K in, in areas that are, that are going to be building, right? A developer's not going to be able to pay 90K for a lot. Last time That's typically- spoke, what That's an seeing. end user, right? Last time we spoke to Matthew, he said there was no building going on there. It's starting to go a little bit. We're starting to see some basements going now. I mean, it's still way down from what we were in the heights of 2011, 2012 type of thing. But yeah, end user, um, you know, to buy a lot, you're probably talking 90 for a pretty basic lot in a brand new subdivision, 150 in a nicer subdivision. Well, and out west, how much is a lot right now? Normally? I mean, who knows what normal is, but what about? Uh, yeah, normally. I mean, it was 1.4 in February. It's probably 1.2 in the suburbs right now. Right. So it sounds like in Saskatchewan, like, you know, you get the lot for free and build the house and then you can sell it for 200 grand under your cost. Right. Like yeah. that's almost what it sounds like. Right. Like it doesn't make any sense to me no, that yeah. you can, although you're probably not like in my market, the average home being built right now is 4,000 square feet. Right. So yeah. it's not like that hasn't hit. I don't think a lot of the prairies and stuff where, you know, you have to build the absolute biggest uh, square footage you can on any lot to make it worth its while. To justify right. the price you paid for the land. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing here in Toronto. I mean, one four sounds a little low depending on where you are in the city right now, but in the, in the core. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible to make anything make Daryl. I am 35 minutes outside of the city. And that's the house prices, right? So I'm I'm the equivalent of, uh, geez, I, well, I don't know your area that well, Keswick. but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm out there, right? So once you're in town, that's a totally different thing. Now you're talking 1.8 for a 3,000 square foot lot in Vancouver, right, right? Right. Yeah. So it's weird that the two, the two, like Vancouver and Toronto behave very similarly. I I still haven't figured out what it is they produce in Vancouver, but. I'm sure it's something other than, you know, what's been in the news. Recently, Liberalism. Right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, not that Toronto produces so much, but I mean, we do, Ontario does produce quite a bit over here uh, and we are the center of the universe. So I, we can justify some of the pricing here, but like how long, so, so is everybody just going to have to move to Manitoba and Saskatchewan if they're coming into no. Canada? <laughs> No, but I mean, look, I know Dan's licking his chops there, doing numbers in his head going, I can get like investors to do these deals for sure. They're cash well, this, flowing, right? I think there's not even just that from my perspective. Like, yeah, if immigration, people have to economize in places where they can afford to rent. But like, again, it comes down to labor, right? Like, and yeah, we produce some stuff in Toronto, but like, look at the tech layoffs happening in, in the States. Like, 
Toronto being the tech capital of Canada isn't bullish anymore. That's actually a bad position to be in right now. Like every cash negative tech stock on the on the S&P is getting absolutely decimated. Decimated. You saw the wealth simple layoffs today or yesterday. That's like that's just the start, right? So <laughs> I mean, in if we want to recover the Canadian economy, we have to diversify into real businesses, real ones, not ones that don't make money and get funded by idiot VCs for round after round after round and keep themselves afloat. And then eventually IPO and get funded by retail until they, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we can't keep having Tesla's and wealth simples and whatever, you know what I mean? So what, what makes sense? We have commodity metals, we have natural resources, we have oil, wheat. we have, we have, yeah, we have wheat, we have prairies that are damn good for growing that, that nice fine ass food that everybody needs in the world right now yeah, that apparently supply position. chains are eroding. So look, that's my bull case on that. That's why I like Saskatchewan, right? We've realized in the last 60 days that uh, food and energy security are really, really important. And guess what? Saskatchewan produces a lot of food and energy. Yeah, we talked about it last time, but you were telling us that they're kind of suppressing our, 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 uh, out, our, our selling of wheat. Like, aren't they suppressing the amounts or the, the, um, the amount we can sell it for? Yeah. Our, uh, our current federal government has not made it easy for, Saskatchewan to export most of what it exports, be it uh, canola, be it um, potash, uranium, and obviously natural gas, oil, those types of things are are very challenging to get out of our province and sell to the world market at world prices. Yeah, but that might be a good thing in the respect that like we like you look at China controlling 60% of global grain reserves, India shutting off exporting of grain, right? Like, I mean, it looks like the next round of economic warfare is the, you know, mine, 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 mine phase of globalization. So, I mean, it, it, I'm pretty grateful to be in a resource rich country right now. And and I'm still bullish on Saskatchewan. Yeah. I mean, we're very safe up here uh, with absolutely no defense uh, spending and no army <laughs> and all of the resources. All of the resources. With, in the with, world. With, bribe yeah. our way out. Right. With the largest army on the planet, just a little bit south of us. Yeah. And, be the next. And their new buddies just south of them who are, you know, much better suited to be friends with them than we are right now. Right. And this new trend of, of uh, large. Um, global superpowers taking over their neighbors right like I mean, right. You, got, you got russia ukraine taiwan's coming taiwan's and hey I, I you know what i mean if if i i think i'd actually rather be under u.s political leadership than canadian political leadership so i come on over i guess right when that I, when that day comes i don't think it's much of a fight so the no. invasion yeah. we've already all decided we're waving <laughs> the white flags right is that, this is is that not, the outcome of this conversation look at this we've all given we up just already. sell canada we just did a real estate deal That's we just right. sold canada how much did yep. we sell it for per foot hey hey daryl the one thing i wanted to touch on is i think we have to get it out of our mind to, like everybody always says okay who can afford these houses Lots of people are affording these houses. A lot of people are affording Right? So we got to get that out of our mind. At no point ever has anyone ever thought in the history of ever that they lived in a time where housing was affordable. Nobody walked down the street and was like, oh, that's a deal. You know what? I'll take two. Right? Like nobody has ever thought that way. And we just constantly, oh, housing. Housing has been unaffordable in, I don't know, what do we want to call it? Windsor, right? Forever. If you ask those people, they didn't want to pay five years ago, $250,000 for a detached home. So like, 
no matter what it is, if, if there's transactions happening, housing is affordable for the people that live there. Now, is it good that, you know, the people that grew up in that area can't stay in that area or afford to own a, a 7,000 square foot lot detached home in that area? That's maybe not a good thing, but we have to just stop saying that housing is not affordable because if it's not, then there couldn't be transactions and transactions are happening. The day it becomes affordable with the day that everyone rushes in to make it unaffordable again. It's like rental, right? Affordable rentals. That's yeah, right. I mean, unless you get to like a late cycle Western economy, right? Like you look at the US, it's like, I would say that about Detroit, perhaps, right? I don't know if I ever see Canada getting there, but, I, you know, I mean, probably people probably said that about the States in the 60s. But, but isn't this why there's building going on in Saskatchewan all of a sudden? Because right. like this is where your people are going at the moment, right? And the and the incomes in Detroit can't support buying even those houses that are a hundred grand or less, right? Yeah. I think this is the point uh, that people are trying to make is as to why it feels more unaffordable and more out of reach now is because up until I don't know two thousand and eight, uh, wages were much more in line with the pricing of housing increases, right? And then recently, in the last 10, 15 years, it's just gone fucking bananas through the roof and completely detached from wages as more and more supposed immigrants with money come into the, to the system. But you know what, what? What Steve was saying was a perfect segue into one of the things, the main points that I really want to try and get to today is... is and it ties to everything I think that we're talking about. And it, it's really, it's, it's the incentives, okay? The incentives are what drive everything. And the older I get and the more ingrained I get in, in certain businesses, the more and more I see that it's the incentives that are the problem or the solution. And right now we can see many cases where government incentives lead the populace in the direction that they want us to go in. Uh, for example, interest rates obviously manipulate the markets in, into the ways they want us to go up or down or sideways or whatever it is. Um, and they have other tools that they use to, to kind of shift the markets. So, so but as, as a developer, I'm equally as guilty. I mean, I'm not out there trying to build affordable housing. My incentive is to make as much money as possible on a piece of land that I can get for as cheap as possible, right? And the inverse is true of the person I'm buying the land from. They want to make as much as they possibly can and sell it to me for as little as possible. And neither of us at the moment when we're doing this transaction are worried about how much the end user is paying. And then we keep going down the line and we get to the realtor who says... If you can afford great it deal. now, it's the time to buy. I don't care that on my TikTok channel, I'm saying it's all doom and gloom. The market's going down. Like so the incentive doesn't incentivize a realtor to say, maybe it's about, maybe you should wait right now. Maybe but why some is people it, do. But, but Daryl, why is it bad? Maybe this is going off topic. Why is it bad that people want to make a profit in their businesses? Oh, it's, it's absolutely Why is fantastic. that bad? Why is that? Le that's like a Canadian thing. No, no, no. You can't do that. Like in the States, they, they appreciate the hustle, right? They want that salesman to make that money, right? So they, they want that developer to be able to make that money. It can't just be doom and gloom all the time. And we're not allowed to make any profits in anything we do, right? Well, I, I don't know where you're hanging out and reading stuff, but most people don't feel that way about developers. I mean, they want the housing stock. They just don't want them to make the profits. 
Yeah. And Which is a stupid comment. It, totally. <laughs> but I mean, but but this is I think the media is I think that the, the government and the media have just done a good job at demonizing the right people to keep the focus off of the wrong people, which is them who are making. I mean, look at a, look at a unit in Toronto. Who makes more money, the city yeah. or the developer? Right. right. And they've insane. just done a damn good job at controlling the narrative. Insane. Gas station, uh, only coffee worse. shops, all those places, the government's profit more money. Than only worse than that, itself. too. I just I got a video coming out tomorrow about um, that. I don't know. I saw on the CBC. I don't know why I was watching the CBC. Uh, something about uh, a community housing project owned by the city in Toronto. And it's literally falling down on people's heads. Right. Yeah, that's what happens like when the government owns. Like that. That's what happens when the government owns and is responsible for making housing and yeah, maintaining housing. So billion, billion dollar thing. backlog of. Yeah, but it's all incentives for them, too. I mean, what are the incentives? It's all around like these these really fucked up incentives for everybody where my best incentive is to build something that I can profit on. Your best incentive is to sell something regardless. I mean, if you don't sell, you don't eat. Right. So your incentives are not tied to whether or not you do a great job for them. And maybe at certain points in time there's realtors out there that it's more important that that person buys that house right now so that you get paid in two months than it is that they're going to fucking get destroyed by the market that maybe you know is crumbling on top of them. I that think that's where the question lies daryl what do we really know as real estate agent? like do i know that the market is gonna when i was selling for someone's house a year ago we all in the back of my mind, it's like, man, this market is so unstable. It could crumble at any day. And if people were to say to me, what should I do? I'm retiring. I need to sell. I need to move on. This money's really important to me. The right answer is don't take any chances and wait because it could collapse tomorrow. You could be losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Case in point, anybody who waited through the last three, four months. Now I was wrong because a year ago, if they had just waited until January or February and timed the market, <laughs> they could have got hundreds of thousands of dollars more. How am I supposed to know that? But and TK, now you're well, putting the only value on the purchase price or sale price of their home. That's what you're it, with that argument. It is like, like everybody, you know, in the comments, I'm sure this later on is going to be talking all about like, you know, when the best time to buy is purchase price, all this stuff that doesn't af af account for life. That doesn't account for all the things we got to do and that we have to live somewhere and all of these different things that people need to consider, right? There's, it's not just, it's easy to talk purchase price or sale price in the comments um, because you're not actually transacting on a home or trying to put a roof over your kid's head. So they're not interested in that. Like I, I put out something um, that said, basically like, I know everybody's focused on purchase price, but really purchase price or sale price matters on the day you acquire the home and the day you sell the home. And every other day in between then is, can I make my payments? Right. That Good is the point. way I, I look at real estate. So, and the hatred I got for that, because people are doing all these mathematical equations about the six cents they're going to save over here in five years down the road, when the, when the interest rates different, they're going to, you know, cost $200 more a month or whatever, but that's not what you fight with your wife about. Right. Like, can we make the payments? Can we go on vacation? Like that's got to be the biggest thing that I would focus on. So in increasing interest rates, it, for a lot of people, it's not a bad thing to purchase a home right now, maybe, uh, given your situation, that is a higher overall purchase price if you can make the payments and be happier for the period of time of which you're going to live in the home. There's like an encoded, like there's an actually, you can, you can unpack that in economic theory, right? Like there's an encoded 
liquidity preference associated with or, or a predictability preference associated with fixed mortgage purchases that, that you can see in the market right now, right? So people with rate holds, as an example, like they're sitting on, if, if they buy before their rate hold expires, if you have a three and a half percent rate hold expire on a million dollar purchase, if you buy before your rate hold expires, then you just saved yourself like 70 grand on a, on a five-year mortgage term, right? Like that, if prices are down more than seven, then your buying power has been reduced by that. Then like, yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. So we know that 50% of the market buys with uh, fixed mortgage rates, right? So 50% of the market right now is, is going to be racing against the clock just to buy with a, with a better uh, capital cost. Because right now, at least in the GTA, prices are down more than capital costs should have put them down, right? Like we should only be down, buying cars only been suppressed by like what, 10%, 15%, depending on your on your rate. Variable borrowers, they're going to feel that increase in capital costs regardless of whether or not they buy today or tomorrow, unless the spread increases, right? So if you buy today and, you're, and, you're, and the rate goes up, the, the Bank of Canada increases prime, it doesn't really, if you own a house, you, you pay the rate. If not, whenever you do buy the house, you pay that new rate anyway, right? So they're the ones who can afford to wait. But people who choose the fixed side, they're paying the extra money, the difference for certainty, right? They're, they're attaching, and in a lot of cases, the spread, again, on a million bucks, that's like $10,000, dollars $50,000 on the average price of a home in the GTA, right? 50 grand for the certainty of knowing what your mortgage rate will be like for just five years. So yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if it's like, I think it's a little bit more nuanced when you break it down to the exact like input-output costs of it, but it's just interesting to evaluate a cost like that and what people are willing to pay just for certainty. But no one, no one comes to me and says, you know what, I'm going to move because I heard interest rates are really low. I don't need an extra bedroom. I don't need to move around the corner. I don't need because my job has changed. Just, I heard interest rates were low. So let's just change up the houses. I want new neighbors. Right. Right. Like there is but, always a, a fundamental need been, behind it. But there but must have been people, say, people that wanted a pool all of a sudden and they were like, okay, that's now what I, I mean. can they're, afford they're, to move yeah, forward where there's a pool and a big lot and a home office. Like there must have been a lot of that for a bit, but I guess that's not, that's a transitory event. Did you see though people like opportunistically trying to time the market like, or on the buy side, people are like, yeah, I want to buy because like I think prices are going to go up another 30% year over year or in like February, same thing I saw in like 2017 about a flood of opportunistic sellers, right? You do hear people saying, yeah, I want to sell right now because of my price, right? It's, it's, it's a rarity though. Right. Uh, maybe, right? maybe it's how a selection of selling like, the same market. Yeah. That, and how many people that? have you ever met that have timed the market like perfectly where they're like, zero, right? This is how it's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. And everything's going to doesn't stop great. them from trying though. Like it, it seems of like a pretty not. common I'm not saying it doesn't. Right? I had guys yeah. sell. I had a guy sell in, uh, early 2021. And he said, principal residence taxes coming to Canada. Um, He had all these different things that were all the new media scare tactics of, I don't know if it was an election or something was coming up. And he was just like, I'm selling, I'm selling. And and he sold. And I know for sure a year later, he would have got more money. But again, like, what am I supposed to do? Tell him like, there's no way that's going to happen. That's not, you know, we focused on what it was. He wanted to get out of the house. He no longer needed. It was a big house. He was single income or no, he didn't have an income. Like there was a lot of different issues that he had going on and it was like, now, okay, so now's the time to sell, but he was motivated more by, you know, change that could be coming. And right? Matthew's sitting here going like, what are these guys talking about? What are they all worried about? Like, it's going to change your payment here. Like by 80 bucks, like a year, who gives a shit? <laughs> 
What do you? It's do you a little different here when uh, you know on the average house a quarter point bump changes your payment three hundred dollars a year. So <laughs> for us, interest rates. Um, it's a very different conversation. Of course, the news, it scares the crap out of people. I have this conversation with my buyers every single day. So we sit down and we do the math on it. Again, very different situation here. And I go, okay, interest rates go up a quarter point. Here's what it costs you per year. And yeah, in our prices, it, it not that it's insignificant, it matters, but it matters a whole lot less than when you're borrowing a million plus. But I'm going to go out on a limb here, Matthew. When you had that eight-year downturn, you dealt with all these things that we're crying about after only 60 days of pain. Yep. You dealt with this market for eight years of people coming to you and say, why should I buy now? It's going to be cheaper in six months. You're a pro Virtually in my that entire type of career, market. I worked in a declining market. So yeah, I've, I'm right? very comfortable with that. And, so we're, uh, we're more sensitive that. over here and out there. Yeah. I mean, I've had lots of people say to me, oh, well, market's crashing. You know, you're not going to be able to handle as a realtor. Virtually my entire career, you know, I've been dealing with declining markets. I'm pretty comfortable with that uh, and how to navigate and handle that. So, but it, like, were you guys actually like uh, in a, like a, a recessionary, like, was it economically contracted there as yep. well? Yeah. How many months have yeah, been we saw, Yeah, we saw inventory, uh, you know, increasing. Uh, we saw sales, essentially the number of homes sold was declining for basically eight years or suppressed for eight years. We saw prices decline for eight years in a row, uh, bordering on nine. And it was essentially citywide in Regina, HPI wise, about a 25 to 30% decline from peak to trough. But that's also really segmented. You know, some areas it was 70% declines, whereas other areas it was 10. Very, very segmented based on neighborhoods and areas and stuff like that. So who's building now? Like, did they own the land for like a hundred years and it cost them a, like five cents per, per lot? Like, how does it make sense? So we're sitting here, we're like, if you don't sell at 1100 a square foot in Toronto right now, the project is canceling. I'm sure it must be at least the same in Vancouver, maybe a little bit more. Cause I think land costs more out there. Like, who, how, What's your cost per acre for a developed piece of land in a good neighborhood? Because I can run that in my head real quick because I know those. God, doesn't exist. Know, good luck like, finding an okay. acre in a, a developed neighborhood acre? in the GTA. A whole <laughs> acre? Because we'd be about a million bucks an acre for a serviced land to build, you know, a high rise, for example. Um, right. About a million bucks an acre. Look, like a one acre development site in the city of Toronto, is gonna, depending on the density, is going to be like $50 million. Right, like yeah, Toronto, yeah. I mean, like I bought an acre and a half for nine million dollars. Now that, that is wasn't more zone. That was outskirts of Regina, but still high end neighborhoods. But a million, million to an acre. Million to an acre. Serviced. Serviced. Wow, but that's still that's not nice. as cheap as it needs to be to actually make money on on building the house. Like, no, but that, that would be a high rise site, right? Like what you're describing. That's your condo type land. So like, what are you like building? On a good, busy like, street, what, the whole works. What's like as of right to do like with a one acre site in Regina, like you're a 20 story building. Is that even economical to do? Like five story. You'll see rise. on stuff like that, like four story, five story buildings. Um, a wood? You'll make use uh, commercial on the main floor, residential above it type yeah, thing. So missing middle stuff. That's cool. That's where the missing middle is. We found it. In, it's in Saskatchewan. In Saskatchewan. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just mind boggling to me that like, it can be so different in the same country. 
like so different. It, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling. So, so, but getting back to incentives, I mean, there's got to be ways that they can incentivize developers other than, like, there has to be something they can do to get us to build things for cheaper, right? Get out of the way and stop taxing them. Like, but they own so much land. Why don't they give us land to work on? Or why don't, like, these crazy I'll tell you why. You don't want them to, man. Go look at the Sidewalks Lab project. That was the last time that the federal government gave land to somebody. It was a waste of money. Well, I mean, $2 billion site. And you would have every developer in the country who had been salivating to line up and and knock that thing out of the park. And they give it to Google. Well, yeah, they give it to Big Brother. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. right. Well, there you go. That's why you don't want them to give you land and you don't want them involved in the, You don't want them involved in the supply pipeline at all, because all they do is just up, increase the bid. Right. Like their government's inflationary. That's all they know right. how to do. So okay, I'll throw a wild card out. City of Saskatoon owns all their development land. So when you're a developer, you actually have to buy it from the city of Saskatoon and then build on it to sell it to somebody else. They have a land bank and they acquire it all and sell it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be some kind of ways. There's got to be some kind of ways, but like, I, I really want to get to the, to the heart of this incentive thing, because I mean, we see how, how can people, how can any of us, if the incentive is profit and it's like so hard to make money, to make ends meet and to have everything that you want to have today, how, like how, how is it even possible for a realtor or a developer to, to just say like, like, no. I don't want to make money this year because it's a bad time for the clients. I well, I think you need to have an economy that, that like runs like properly. Right. Like I, I think in a, a proper like free market capitalistic economy would, would control for a lot of those challenges and incentives, right? Like we have a very oligopolistic market really? in Canada. So you got like all of these utilities infrastructure companies, as an example, in Ontario, like what, Daryl, when you're developing your site, how many, how many companies can you call to do your earthworks? Five, right? Not even like, right. And you want to go get, you want to go look guys, like we're all, we're all in the real estate profession. You guys all with TELUS probably, right? If not, you're with Rogers or you're with what, with, you know what I mean? Like we got five telcos to choose from. We got six banks to choose from. It's not until you actually start allowing, you know, innovation to take place, which means bringing in business, other businesses to capitalize on this. And we have like a a degree of protectionism around these, you know, these different things, right? Um, You're starting to see a lot of capital come from like foreign direct investment building projects in the, in the greater Toronto area. Um, But it's not, it's not at the scale. And, And that's why everybody's doing it on the development side, because that's the only place that they're really allowed to, right? Like we're not allowed, we're not seeing, Chinese companies that take pride in slapping up a skyscraper in a week doing that in Toronto, right? They would, they would turn and, and head the other direction, right? right? If that was their plan, like a lot of architectural firms and different developers have come here from the States and they spend a couple of years in Toronto and go, I don't think so. Yeah. This yeah, isn't this how, doesn't this work. isn't, yeah, I was, they were sold the, the wrong. I mean, and, and the guys who, who do well here, they've got 20, 30 years of land banks. Right. Yeah. And and they've they've already been working with the municipalities for for four or five decades, so that they, there's an efficiency that it already exists, right? Yeah, and it's they've, not going to change. They don't want it to change. Funded the uh, campaigns of enough politicians to right. be able to pull some strings when the time comes. Well, so but if there's no solutions, then it's just going to be more of the same, right? 
well that or like you end up with a late cycle like shit housing economy right like we end up like germany or like at most of europe which i actually think is the outcome here to be honest with you at least in the gta i honestly think that's how it works like and 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 probably nationally right it's like we're late cycle we're like you know the us even being a good example you can see some late cycle areas there new york renters economy right people when they want to own they move out of the city or they move to another part of the country that's what's going to happen in toronto Everybody rents, and if they want to live, they moved in. They want to own. They moved into Saskatchewan, or they inherit a house from their parents. Right. You know, every like Frankfurt's like that, right? Young people rent, and that's good. It's economically productive. It actually is because we're so fucking obsessed with housing in this country. Like the concentration of wealth in the primary residence is absolutely insane, right? So it allows people to start taking their capital and allocating into places that actually matter, not their own damn house. They put it into potash companies that they believe in in Saskatchewan or you know, whatever, like regenerative agriculture or what, like cannabis, uh, Luna. you know, psychedelics, whatever, you know, yeah, but, you know, I love, I love how you mentioned, mentioned Frankfurt. Though, yeah. Dan. yeah. I, I had, I was, I was with someone today who they're visiting from uh, like family uh, visiting they're from Germany and right. they were, and the, and the comment the girl made to me was so true. She said, um, we're not ashamed of renting. Right. And in Canada, it's it like the word, yeah, but she said like, in North America, yeah. you guys, if you don't, if you don't own, it's like, you haven't made it in life. And that's what she said. She says, all my friends at renting, having flatmates, she said, was, yeah. is like, that's normal. And, and they no live, shame. man. They live. And she said, it's very known that you can be wealthier yeah. as a renter than you can be as, a, as an owner. Yeah. Right. And they don't, do their, and their lifestyle Canadians and all that kind that. of stuff. No, but that's okay? that's the thing is it has to happen. What? That's what that's how this ends. It is. We're just early, man. Like the reality is we're so young. Canada is such a young country. We're early. Like We're just not late cycle yet. Those kind. U.S. is getting late cycle. Like they're just turning over into that renter's economy. High institutional ownership. Blackstone, everybody's freaking demonizing them because they're stealing everyone's houses and shit. Like it's just the, this is how it ends Every, everywhere in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've said it like literally. And I'm not, this isn't even conspiracy shit. Like it just oh. makes sense. It actually makes sense. Honestly, people to should be. be renters. Yeah. Human beings are not experienced enough. Like if you want specialization, pr- proper Smithian economics, Adam Smith said specialization in division of labor. You don't have men who are masculine enough, honestly, in most cases to manage a detached home. They're not good at it, right? Like I know dudes who don't know how to change a light bulb who work in the in the, in the the um, knowledge work sector, right? Like, and so it's that's fine, but this is how it, like the, the trajectory of, of capitalism ends, right? Yeah, this episode was brought to you by the World Economic Forum. <laughs> The Great Reset is here, and we got you, we got some you questions in, in the chat. We got some questions in like the chat. What is the forecast? No, here, sir. Uh, what should a potential buyer do in this increasing interest rate environment? Let's hear what the panel has to say. Let's start with Steve. What should a sorry a buyer do? What should a buyer do in this increasing interest rate environment? That's a pretty broad question i mean it depends what you're gonna what first of all you want to do what your needs are um i try and keep things pretty simple i'm pretty sure i've just discovered that dan is probably the smartest person on this call and the rest of us don't know what the hell we're talking about but i try and keep things pretty simple it's this for me and maybe i'm because i'm addicted to canadian uh real estate it's mortgages go down rents go up that's the way I think about it. So if you're thinking that, you know, hey, I want to get into the market, but I only want to look at it on an 18-month cycle, for sure don't buy. If you're smart enough to go, this is where I'm going to put my family or, hey, I'm going to have to, 
do something with my life and I want to own property, then for sure buy, right? Like there is no right answer. There is no spot to be. I just know that the longer you own real estate, likely, and this could be different in, you know, whatever's happened in the economy uh, or different countries, but likely you are going to do better off because we all think that we're going to end up in some amazing investment that's going to do, you know, some business opportunity or one day we'll win the lottery or whatever. But the reality is most people don't have the savviness to put themselves in a better financial spot. All they know how to do is, and this is going to make me sound like an arrogant dick, but it, all they know how to do is, you know, go to work every day, pay down their mortgage, and that's where their retirement's going to be, or that's where their, their wealth is going to come from. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because we can all be out there thinking that we're all, uh, you know, trying to figure out uh, um, amazing way to, to make a ton of money. But thank goodness for those people. And thank goodness for everybody that goes to work every day, because that's what makes the economy go around. Right. I, I just really don't think if you're looking at it from a like cookie cutter point of view of what should I do doing this, it's, it's just not, not realistic whatsoever. Solid and, advice, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Matthew, different what, what about like, a, what about for you? Like looking at it from the perspective of, you know, less of a volatile market. So in my mind, homeownership is a lifestyle choice and a lifestyle sacrifice at the same time. And I've kind of always had three rules. I've told my buyers that if all three of those are true, uh, then you should probably be thinking about if you are thinking about buying it, you know, maybe it's a good time. The first one is obviously the finances. You have to have the finances for this to make sense. You have to have the job security. You have to be comfortable with the fact that interest rates can go up and they can go down and the cost of home ownership is an ongoing thing. So you have to be comfortable with all of those factors. The second one is you have to be there long-term. This is a long-term decision. You're going to be there for like my mind, minimum five years. If you're not in that house or you don't plan on being there for five years, your lifestyle isn't going to allow for that. Then, you know, that's when you can get yourself in some trouble and 10 years is even better. And then that purchase is going to improve your lifestyle. And that's a really, really subjective question, but that's because you are, you're making a lifestyle choice and a lifestyle sacrifice. So it has to improve your lifestyle buying that house. And if those three things, if one of them isn't true, it's probably not the right time to buy. No. So we have in the, in the chat, we have uh, pre condo wants to buy something at Forma with uh, Dan. So uh, Dan, you guys, are not, you're Scrinko? not partners. Yes. With Scrinko. <laughs> I thought um, he wasn't around. He's got connections. That's what I, I thought. Know. He wasn't he's around. He's dodging the call. He just, he literally just said he wasn't so he could troll us. Yeah. yeah. So, but live. somebody else mentioned something about, okay, I bought a condo in 2017. It's about to close. What the hell should I do right now? But I imagine if you bought something in two, seven, 2017, I mean, you must have made up. Should be closing with equity. You should be closing right? with cash flow. Yeah. But I well, guess what, your what, numbers are a little bit upside down from where you had one point. <laughs> five percent mortgage in there three no months ago. rates were like two and a half. yeah but i mean yeah like they've changed the assumptions have changed in the last uh, six months but they haven't changed since they bought it in 2017 right like the rate what were rates then two seven three low threes two, seven nine in there, 2017 right? yeah. yeah yeah but what what were they going to do with that property Right. right. Like, why did they buy that property? Right. Did they to, buy it? To because sell the investment problem. Yeah, assignment, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some freaking exactly. person, some kid on TikTok told them it was a good idea. If you're, uh, I'm going to uh, also offend a lot of people. I'm used to that. Sure. If you're buying uh, properties to uh, flip assignments, personally, I think 
you're an idiot and you may as well go to the casino and put it on black, right? Because sure, it's going to look good in good three, four year markets, but it's going to look real bad if you did it in July of 2008 and you don't clear that uh, a profit for nine years, right? In, In my market anyway. So I just, I just, think like, okay, you bought a pre-sale in 2017. It's going to complete now, complete on it. And if it's not your principal residence, rent it out, hold it for 10 years. You're going to do fantastic. You're going to be worth a shitload of money when you're done, right? Like if if you're thinking flips, just, uh, I I think those people got to get out of the, out of the purchasing game. Why is it even allowed? Like this is, again, it's the same thing. It's like we, we make rules that kind of breed this behavior, right? We, we force the developers to sell 65, 70% before they get their financing to dig a hole. But who the hell can, can make a purchase really and go, yes, you know, we're getting married and we're going to have kids. And I think, yeah, I think we could wait about six years. That makes a lot of sense to me. And then, you know, what's even better. Like we're going to rent it from the developer for like a year while they finish off the building. And, you know, like, it's like it, the whole thing is so stupid. Of course, we're going to have a ton of investors come in because who the hell else can buy with those kind of time horizons and who else is looking at it as like uh, 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 creating more equity out of thin air because you waited five years to close the deal? Like, is there no better way to do this? Because I know if we go the other way, like Miami years ago, where it's like, you know, they just got all the money to build buildings and nobody wanted them. Like... Is, is there no system that, that can actually work? I know you say free market, but the reality is that that's not happening. So is there anything within the realm of reality currently in the current kind of legal and, and economic and governmental structure that can actually make a difference anytime sooner? Or are we all just I, like fucked? A hundred percent there is. A hundred percent there is. It's called interest rates, right? I, I actually... Mechanically, I th- I'm this is gonna I'm I'm gonna go pretty far left here, but uh, co-ops, man. Like honestly, like you got to think about this, right? So you go buy like a developer wants to build a, a project, <laughs> right? I don't know if I'm lagging because like you got my internet was unstable. No, no, sec, we, but, we uh, like it. Okay. Co-ops, like, yeah, but, roll so, with this. Okay, so you go b- build a project. The reason that you're distra- the reason the phenomena you're describing, right, exists is because you give your money to a developer and the de- developer can ensure that deposit. You know this, you're a developer. You can ensure that deposit. I think it's Canada Guarantee or whatever it is. Westmount, no, it's Westmount, right? Yeah, it's a bond um, and then you get to use it as- Right, equity. you can lever up that fucking <laughs> deposit. Man. So, okay, so you get all this money from these people. All you had to do is buy the land, right? You get all this money from these people and you can literally go borrow against the money to finance your own damn construction. And all you need is covenant, right? Like you gotta be, you gotta know what you're doing. You got, they gotta be willing to be sued, right? You gotta have a little bit of a track record, whatever, maybe some equity partners. Um, Someone has to have a nice chunk of cash in the background. Some right, yeah. but okay, but so, but do you think? But does that does that person have as much cash as all of those buyers for that project combined? If you're selling a hundred, how many project? How many units are in your project? Four thirty. Right. So you have four hundred thirty units. You got more money than every single buyer combined. No. So let's say they all, and that's pretty pretty rare that a developer does, right? So let's say that those people just go to TD and be like, "Yo, we have no experience building, but we're gonna hire a fucking Tridel to do it." right? They, they have experience building. We're going to put up all our own money, right? We bought the land already. We got it under contract because, you know, 
one of our buddies is a, is a realtor and he figured it out. And one of our buddies is a planner and whatever. And they go and push the project through and they fund it themselves. It's literally the exact same structure. Just nobody makes the profit. This is where you realize, like, look, look, the reality is profits so small that it's not going to make that much of a material difference, but that's like the only way to mechanize like the, you know, making it like, I don't even know if that, that, that would just be like a more, is it like a socialistic version of what, what, what already exists and you're just taking out an intermediary. What, I don't think you would have the skill, though, right? I, I don't think you would have the skill within That's that group of people to get the thing done. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Could, honestly, th- I think this is can, the first you time you I've hired me enough there. money every year. And I would develop the shit out of all of their properties. Right. Really quickly and really well. And they could be sold off to the highest bidder right. as a beautifully zoned site. But or not even sold, but like you could, no, but like if or you could aggregate, build it out. yeah. but if, if you could aggregate 430 people and be like, Hey people, you know, develop your own site, right. Develop your own house. Like, and, and you don't, you know, you save 10% or whatever. I just don't like, it comes down to incentives. It's like, is 10% really going to do it? No, but them? this is I don't an know. idea. This is a great idea. I've thought about it before is that the buyers actually get in at the investor level and right, the land phase, the land phase. Yeah. Right. And they end up being part of the project. They bought their unit at the very beginning and they get their unit. Yeah. And then you just like they slap take an NFT now. on top of it or whatever, take it to a venture capitalist and they're done. Like, yeah, they take I on. Think. They That's take how on easy risk. it is. Right. It's good. That's, that, that, that becomes like the dilemma. What's what's going on, Steve? Oh, I think it's absolutely insanity because you have to assume <laughs> that. I think you have to then assume that people are smart enough to work together, not get angry, have the skills to do certain things, right? Like everybody here on this, well, not everybody, but well, everybody on this call has a certain set of skills that they use in their business to do better production probably than their counterparts, right? So it's it's not as easy, like, you know, in a perfect world, great, but it, I just, you know how hard it is to work with any buyer, any seller, any client, and now you're going to just randomly get, you know, 40 neighbors together and they're going to, you know, make a commune and it's going to well, be a beautiful building. Like, it's it's a, I mean, like that's how it works right now with a developer. That's just like it ends with without, you know, like you just have a proper contract to make sure that they can't get like that. They're not even allowed to communicate with each other and nobody gives a shit what they want. Really, it's the exact same thing, right? The developer doesn't care what they want now. They're not going to care in this situation either. The goal, the objective here is to build housing, right? There's nobody at the end for them to Yelp review, negative Yelp review, because it's the, their own damn selves. Yeah, I just think if you like literally took, if you've ever done, you know, any assembly and you're like, okay, those 15 neighbors that are together, just to get them to sell and sign on the dotted line is tough enough. Now go through construction with that, right? Like it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think I, I, it, 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 it could be a beautiful thing if we could get it to work, but last no, time I, I agree, checked- like it's totally whimsical, but that's, I think that's the only solution. Right? I actually do. I don't think that there is a, another solution out there I, other than like, just accept that we're late cycle and let institutions, let Blackstone come in and build PBR for everybody, honestly. And like, that's it. That's the end. Honestly, that's the, that's, how you, it, it ends up being more but efficient. That, but that's not the scenario that everybody's worried about. They're not coming in and building purpose-built rental. They're coming in and taking housing stock and converting uh, it into multiple rental units. It, yeah, I don't know. Like, look, I mean, Blackstone, I don't think like they're interested really in buying Canadian houses, detached homes. Honestly, I'd be very su- surprised if that was the case. Like, I, I believe them when they say they're not buying detached Canadian houses. It's just not like a, a good model, right? Like, 
I think Core was doing that well when it made sense and it doesn't anymore. And they're duplexing stuff, right? Like Blackstone's been involved with Starlight for a while, right? Like, which is like a large multifamily REIT. Uh, they've been involved with a bunch of Canadian REITs. Like, I, I don't know. I, I can't is, see them. Is Starlight in uh, Saskatchewan or BC? No. I don't recognize the name at all. I don't think they are, no. No, if it's not on Bathurst, they're basically not interested. Un- unpopular lie, yeah. opinion here, but I'm have nothing against REITs. I think they have a very good function and they provide sure. a lot of value for, you know, for instance, apartment buildings or whatever for their 100%. clients. And they're Absolutely. probably better off. The renters are probably better off uh, renting from a REIT with a professional uh, property manager and the property taken care of and, and all that stuff. So than a, a mom and pop landlord, you're saying? hundred percent. I would say that. And also if you go into those buildings versus modern like uh, condo buildings built in the last five to eight years in Toronto, they're they're cleaner, they're better managed, the construction quality is better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like literally like you go through like a lot of the stuff in like, uh, you know, downtown kind of like, oh, I mean, I, there's a couple projects I could name, I'm sure, but like, they're like student residents, right? There's like dog shit everywhere. People barfing, like, you know, all this stuff, like there's no pride ownership, blah, blah, blah. Right. I, I think that like, we're going to start to realize that there's value to institutional ownership. And a lot of it is to get, get rid of the, like the absentee and, 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 uh, inactive mom and pop landlords who, who were relying on speculation and, and value increase to make their money and didn't don't give a shit about rent or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, okay. So, but this is realistic now. Okay. This is realistic where there, this is how it's going to have to be because the reality is unless you're willing to move to Saskatchewan or Manitoba or Northern Ontario or some hour and a half north of Vancouver, like it's going to be really hard to hit that sweet spot with the interest rates rising, isn't it? They yeah, don't but- care. They're, they're, they just issue, like they issue their own paper, right? They bond or they, they like, they'll raise, like that's what REITs do, right? So like yeah, they, their cost no, of capital is nothing. But that's what right. I'm saying is like, this is the reality that everybody's going to have to get used to is you're going to have to fucking rent now. You're going to have, if you want to yeah. live in the downtown core and you can't afford to buy like there's plenty of places to rent, but yeah. what's I wrong think, with that? Yeah, what's nothing, wrong yeah, with that? No, that's right. the thing. It's everybody that, no, no, has no. to get their head around the fact that there's yeah, nothing that's wrong it. with it. That's it. Well, they sold people the dream, the Canadian dream of homeownership forever, and it's dead. Like that's that's the end here. I love that Sprinkle came on. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, I can't make it. I have uh, stuff to oh, do. Oh, this is awesome. I have lots to sell. I hate being a salesman. I want to be a YouTuber, <laughs> yeah, I got, but I can't. He didn't make get it. enough exposure in the comments section, so he's like. No, no, I, I was supposed to, be selling form. <laughs> supposed to be selling former today, but it's a little quieter, a little quieter than I thought. Oh, so. isn't that a great boots on the ground uh, insight? Let's go. What's going <laughs> Tell on? Tell us. Oh, it's just uh, lots of worksheets dipping out at the last possible minute. Nothing unusual. The last few launches have been like this. Um, but I have a lot of demand for the larger products, so like the two, uh, the two point five to three million dollar units are gonna. They're gonna oversubscribe for sure. I can tell you right now. I have like four people for them, and there's all of like fifteen of them in the building. So because everyone's rich in Canada, apparently, yeah, man. What's happening that, in precon uh, out west there? You talking to me? Yeah, no, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my market. No. I was looking over my shoulder here for who's who's going to answer that question. Uh, we don't we don't do a ton of uh, we're we're mostly residential resale. So um, 
I mean, it's definitely quiet. We're starting to get invited out for lunches and stuff again, right? right? Like, yeah, couldn't get a spot at the table, couldn't get uh, an invite, couldn't get anybody I met into a presale for the last two years. And now it's, uh, hey, guys, uh, come on down. We'd love to show you around and buy you lunch. Yeah. Hey, Steve, guess what? You're a platinum agent now. (laughs) I heard from a... Somebody DM me that they heard from a, a pretty reliable source that a bunch of launches in Toronto had had no no worksheets no or no no units or whatever sold. I was like, what? That's that's how's that not news? What's launched even? Like I don't know. That launched maybe not in Toronto, but maybe it was like GTA, some of the shittier projects. What about like that Hamilton one? Stuff. Is is that the one we're talking about now? Is that Radio? Hamilton? Oh yeah. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, Radio Incentives. We did a few at uh, Radio Arts. Hamilton, I mean, Hamilton is just lower price basis, right? So in Toronto, investors get excited about anything below 1500 a foot. You can send any price list for anything in the GTA. And if it comes out at 1100 a foot, in Toronto investors are interested, um, regardless of what the cash flow looks like. So, yeah. So it's just nice. price points. So what? So now we're like 899 is the new 499 Like, where is it... Uh... Where's the sweet spot right now? Where do people pounce? Well, it's tough, right? Because all of the lingering inventory that existed from launches pre-COVID, have a, they've all absorbed in the craziness of the last two years. So those were at good prices, right? Well, I call them good now because they were like thirteen to 1500 a foot. But every new launch in the downtown core is 1600 plus. So the problem is, you know, people will call me and say, hey. 1600 plus, nobody even flinched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, people call me and be like, Hey, you know, I have 800 or 900 K to spay, spend on a one bed. And I have to tell those people, you know, normally that's a very reasonable and healthy budget for pre-construction. But right now it's actually, uh, difficult to, difficult to hit that mark unless, uh, you want to be on the East end downtown type thing. Or okay. With you have like a 380 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. Like a micro those numbers make me sick. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine how there's so many 380 square foot units being proposed? It's insane. I don't know. Are those uh, are those even CMHC insurable now or no? Believe me, there are like contests for architects to figure out the smallest, most efficient use within the OBC. It, it's insane. And like now, look, a new condo, you can put a sliding door that's made out of glass that's uh, frosted call it a bedroom and, and call it a bedroom now right i actually think that's a good thing though to be honest with you like i actually think like canadians need to learn to live more minimally honestly like it, it, you know you look at census data the fastest growing household size in canada is one right like people new household formation is low right you got you got this is our product mix right now it's four thousand square foot mcmansions that ultimately end up becoming boarding houses or rooming houses or occupied by people who are like what, further along on the housing ladder and then what you're describing, right? There's, again, we're talking about the missing middle, which Jordan, we found it, by the way. It's in Saskatchewan. But like the- I'm Telling the, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, man. The, but I, so I don't know. That stuff's good, man. Honestly, young people need to live in hotel rooms. Seriously, they should be. that. Like this is late cycle shit. It is. This is we're like, I, you just have to accept it at this point. Sorry. Just have to accept it at this point. Okay, so now that we the have WEF to- should hire me, honestly. I make a pretty strong case for that stuff. When he stands up, you'll see the logo on his t-shirt at the end of the episode. <laughs> Build back better. <laughs> in his 5,000 square foot builder bird. Yeah, 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 in his farm. Did you see the picture of his backyard? It's like only eight acres. 
So hold on a sec. Okay, so the U.S. raises 75 basis points. What's happening next here? Are we having a, a, a 75-point hammer, a 50-point hammer? What the hell's this next we rate? We pick one. Do? You, currency crisis or 75 bips? We pick one. What's going to be? doesn't matter. We're screwed either way, man. What's going to be? It's not a good month ahead. Not a good month ahead. So, I mean, we're seeing things slowing. and oh, so What we're seeing now, is it is it from even the, the rate hikes? Or are we seeing stuff that's coming out of the wash from four, six months, eight months, a year ago now? Talking no, I think right you rephrase the question. <laughs> I think it is. You can you rephrase great. the question. Okay. Yeah. Well, I well, just didn't want to, I just didn't want to hog the mic, but. Well, I'm sure anybody on this panel has answered this question off camera yeah, before. I, I think that, you know, the GTA seems to be more forward looking than most other markets. Uh, and, it, and it makes sense, right? It, like we're, we're very uh, immersed in the financialization of housing. Right. Um, and, and so we we're trading like, uh, like it's a stock market. Cause that's what we've been doing for uh, 10 years. Right. And so we're treating it as such prices came down more than, we're not, and we're also more exposed to credit contraction because everybody's buying at max borrowing power. Everyone's levered up as far as they humanly possible because they have to be if they want to buy a house in the GTA. As soon as those rates, they ha- well, that, I mean, max? yeah, well, well, yes and no. I mean, they're all, yeah, everybody's maximizing their their borrowing power, and because but now their borrowing power is going down, right? So they're still, you know, because the rates are are costing them more every month, like. You know, so borrowing power has been dropped by 10, I think 10 to 15%, depending on your rate. Right. So, but, but certain markets are down again, 10 to over almost 20%. So there was a forward lookingness to it. I think you haven't even seen the, the contagion that that'll take in markets that are less credit dependent. And that'll take, you know, the sort of the last thing, right. You see it first in housing. It's the last thing that you see in an economic contraction is, is, is employment, right. Once employment's toast, then, then that's when you start looking for deals, honestly. So does it feel worse because we're so immersed in it? Because all all of us yeah. do is like yeah, it's a, flip through TikTok and check out YouTube for sure. and look at the news. And like for us, it feels like it's like falling apart quick. But for the average person, is it just like a point here, a half a point? And, and Matthew's sitting there saying we had our best month ever. Yeah. yeah. And it's they probably will continue to. I'm still bullish. Telling you, Saskatchewan. I might even do some deals. Matthew, DM me, man. I'll buy some places. Sight That's unseen, right. I promise. Hey, we'll chat. Okay. Um, Dan, Dan yeah, maybe you it, can. I mean, it... Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. I, I think the people are getting bombarded with, oh my God, the world is ending news. And that's part of some of my conversations I have to have with buyers and sellers is, again, uh, our perspective is very different because we only hear about Toronto and Vancouver. And the world may be ending for you guys, it's not for the rest of the country. Yeah, That's sure. pretty much the way it boils out. I think inflation is still kind of a bit of a bull case for a lot of markets that are trading under re- replacement value, which like you are in Saskatchewan and like most of Canada is if everybody's building at 300 bucks a square foot, every house is worth less. You're, like they're selling at negative land value, right? So- I mean, everywhere, the GTA, anywhere that's trading above replacement costs, unless replacement costs get deflationary, which I don't think they are, honestly, ever. I, I'd be very surprised if construction costs come down. What were you going to so say, that, Steve? I was going to ask Dan, like, obviously, much more versed in this stuff than me. So I'm going to assume that inflation, crazy, have to kill inflation. Okay, that's what the Bank of Canada is saying. The only way to do that is interest rates, apparently. I would assume that inflation is at this point great uh, weighted towards cost of oil 
right? Yeah. And no matter what we do with interest rates right now, cost of oil is not going anywhere, I would assume. Um, so we're going to get to a spot where we're just cranking this up and just all this hurt for no real benefit out the other side, right? So I think that the um, the Bank of Canada left it down, obviously, way too long, yeah, uh, right? Was- too low, too long. So they created a problem. And now they're creating a problem that's not going to be fixed on the other side, also by increasing interest rates, right? Yeah, I, I think that it's not just oil, like the supply chain disruption, et cetera. Like there's inflation. We're in for an inflationary decade, right? Like in the inflation is probably going to hover in the three to four percent range, I would say, when we're all said and done here. And rates are not going to come down to what they were before for the foreseeable future. And they're, yeah, they're going to try and drop rates to get us out of a recession, likely, but they can't go down to where they were ever again. Um, and I mean, this is, yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, there's not much more to say about it than that, right? Like, other than like, just don't expect inflation to be under control. And, and remember that in areas that are priced properly, housing has always been a good inflation edge. Well, so we see in the news today that uh, Freeland is coming out with a new plan to fight inflation. And I'm yeah. sure yeah. that'll Spend. only cost a few billion dollars. So seven billion, work, they said, right? didn't they? Seven or eight seven, billion dollars? Yeah, yeah it, like, it was like seven billion dollar plan to fight inflation, which... yeah. I mean, like Steve said, none of us here have have too much sense. I don't know how that's going to work, but my spider senses says like that is is not going to be deflated. Exacerbate the problem, sure, right? So, 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 like, but this is what the world we're living in, right? This is the world we're living in, where I don't like if if you judge someone's actions and not their words it is kind of apparent that <laughs> the goal isn't to flight fight inflation is it it's like the mirage of trying no, to fight inflation no they have to fight inflation like the reality is like inflation has far worse consequences than that's why they lie about it too bubble. like we'll you, te- you tell me that you tell me that inflation is actually 6.8 percent, right like they, they, if they told people what real inflation was people would, like the country would be on fire right? people would right? freak so, out but okay but yeah. we all know it like we're all we all well, know do it. we though like we all talk know. about I mean, it like, the country we do yeah but i don't think most people get my it, life hasn't right? changed a ton in the last you know, in the last six months, right? Like that's, that's the real measure. Is anybody cutting back? Is anybody now? So yeah, no, I don't think anybody is. I think as soon as they uh, did what they did with restrictions and mandates and everything, people are more vacations than ever, more spending than ever. There's no cut back in spending right now that I'm seeing from anybody. Nobody's deciding not to, uh, you know, to cancel the Tesla order. Nobody's you live doing in suburban that. Vancouver though. Right. Like I think they everybody would be a selection bias. Probably you're, you know, you know, people who are on the upper line of a K-shaped recovery. And if you go to, you know, the different parts of the country, the people who are on the lower line who don't hold assets going into this, this, you know, inflationary period are, are not having a good day in present day Canada. I don't think. I can tell you for sure it's affecting some people. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders didn't sell out their home opener, and they always do that because oh my now goodness. all of a sudden you're paying a hundred bucks a ticket. And that's a that's metric. Cost, that's a real. Right. That's a yeah. big data point. Yeah. That's that's actually, it's a real thing. I'm here first, guys. folks. Recession yeah. confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's. I mean, honestly, like what we need. I don't know. I, I've always Is been wondering not, when this shit's going to show up at the consumer level. But it's not just that people like finally realize that. CFL sucks. Like you guys just finally caught hey, on. Maybe. Hey, 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 hey. No, it's not that. Hey, I know you're south that? of the 49th, man, but uh, come on. 
Well, I mean, the CFL. Okay, fine. CFL is a great CF- game, and we watch, should watch uh, this. Watch this. The CFL doesn't suck. Only the Rough Riders do. How about oh, that? <laughs> which Rough Riders? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fake ones aren't around anymore. Are they not around anymore? Well, that shows. Just they changed their name it, three it went times. down. It went down to one viewer. One viewer. <laughs> oh, good, perfect. <laughs> Very interesting topics. All right, well, that's good. So since we're down to one top, uh, one viewer, uh, that's let's, my mom. Is it just? It's TK. It's got to be TK watching. I've got like three screens open. I see a whole bunch of people making comments. I guess they're doing it. Um, they're saying they've cut back significantly, watching. you know, middle-class people too, lower-income people are suffering. Absolutely. I, I Shout see. out to Urban Zen Girl. That fuel costs is a real thing. I mean, you Urban Zen Girl is the best, actually. I've spoken with her on the phone before. She's cool. Yeah, she's no, and back we've had show. her on the show. Hey, and we're having her back Have you? on. Yeah, we love her. Yep. She's yeah, awesome. she's the best. She is awesome. Um, okay, so what else do I have here? So so one other thing I wanted to po- kind of throw out there that I've mentioned in the past is I think Zillow was right. I think Zillow put the brakes on at the exact right time, and that algorithm was Buddy, brilliant. T- yeah. I told, I did, remember I was saying that, and people were like, no, there's no way. They, I'm like, they know the market's c- c- turning over. And you know who else called it is uh, Jason Billingsley from Zillow. Everybody, like, who has the demand data? Zillow. Zolo, right? So, 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 but this begs the question is when is one of the algorithms going to say, okay, it's like, it's low enough rates are rising. Here's the sweet spot. Go, go, go. Steve says, no, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, I think Zillow's, I think Zillow's thing was, um, another big company trying to interject or become a disruptor in the market. And, they will, uh, I'll go out, I'm going to stamp it and, and put myself out there. For the foreseeable future, there will not be an online disruptor in particularly resale real estate. And the, there is one simple explanation for that, because everything needs to be boiled down to only one reason. Um, there is the fact that we as real estate agents helping people buy and sell homes never solve the same problem twice. So Uber, for instance, solves the exact same problem every single time. Someone needs a ride, right? To a different location, not the same. Yeah, but they rely on humans to do that for them. So it is the same problem. I need a ride from here to there and I can plot it on a map. It's the exact same problem every single time. Reselling a home in a different city with a different zoning, with a different condition with a roof that was replaced once, but maybe it was actually twice or a hot water tank that it's never the same problem. And that is why I believe Zillow likely realized how hard it was to make a profit on flipping and whatever it was they were doing. And I think that's why they bat out of the market. I would agree in your market, but I would rather buy a house from a computer than 90% 90% of the agents in the GTA. <laughs> that's like 100%. 60,000 that is, that is people. Not, generous. <laughs> that's that like is not a good people. That is not a good measure of Zillow, but maybe a negative measure of otherwise. I would I would rather buy a, a, a house from a wrong computer than, than 90% of agents <laughs> in the GTA, honestly. I'd rather, okay, I'll I throw two comments in. One, we should get answers on the questions in the comments there. But also two, yeah, when you've got only 2% of the agents in the GTA that sell a house a month, they're probably not getting a lot of experience doing it yeah right 100 
It's true. And that's the failure 50, of 51 brokers sell one house or less keeping good agents on board the and getting broker, rid of the fluff. Right. The brokers. The brokers are going to have to kind of bring in their realtors that are out there on, on social media sooner than later. Too. They're, the broker, the nine, nine out of 10 brokerages are simply head counting to meet cap. Yep. That's all they it's care about. Very yeah. low margin business. I would we never can't want blame to the brokers. Yeah, we can't blame them. They need to get as many agents on their side as possible. But this yeah. is an incentive yeah. problem again. It's yeah. like one after the other. It's constantly just incentivizing the market up, up, up into ridiculous territory by but brokerages. People. Brokerages work this way, Daryl, though. It's every agent on this call right now likely nets more than their entire brokerage does as a business by the end of the year, right? Like that's, that is the downside. And like here in BC, they're starting to say, okay, well, we're going to have one broker for every 50 agents. Well, cool. We're only about 750 brokers short then, right? Like it's just not going to be something that's, that's fixed. Uh, unfortunately, moving forward. I just, there, there's no real value in it anymore, unfortunately. So, 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 well, I mean, how, how is it, how is it possible to have, to end up with a good salesperson when the market is so thinned out? Like how are people supposed to make these decisions? And then on top of it, it's very confusing to most people when they go on to social media and they believe some nice guy on a video. And next thing you know, you know, they're in some kind of like upside down mortgage with weird penalties. And they bought some shitty house somewhere. And I, I know it's not the realtor's fault, but like we, we're, we're saying some oh, people is. are. No, but yeah, some people are saying in one breath, like the, the realtors are just transactional. They're only here to facilitate a transaction. But then they're also on TikTok going like. Buy now if you can afford to buy. This is the right time. The market's going to go up. The longest it's yeah. been suppressed is 13 years since 89 to 92. Like, just jump in and, like, we'll figure it out. It's cool. There's something, Daryl, that's about to happen in this industry, and that is with a retiring uh, group of agents ahead of me, let's say 55 to 70-year-old agents right now, this industry is about to lose more skill than it has left <laughs> as, as about being an agent. Now, honestly, I a hundred percent believe that. Like when I came into the business, I started under uh, a mentor and I mentored under him for 10 plus years before I actually ended up taking over the team. And I'm seeing people publicly like just doing stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Like they've got no training whatsoever. I mean, they hand you your real estate license and they're like, cool, go. Right. Like I actually think what you're describing thing. is the biggest opportunity in the market right now. hundred like percent. Um, like buying books off of, off of old timers. Cause most of them, like, I actually would argue that they're not going to retire because most agents can't afford you because they suck at financial planning and the, the best shot they have is their EXP stocks or whatever. <laughs> but um, I think if somebody could buy those books off of agents at scale and, I, that'd be like a huge, huge opportunity. Huge. It It is an amazing opportunity. I've bought now two books, right? And um, you are right. Agents don't generally. What do you pay? 25% residual? Uh, there is one is still working. The other one is mostly out, but it's on a referral, uh, a referral with so a time your... and a price cap. Nice. 
I would do that. I, give me a shout out. I'd love to like get, get an idea for how you structured that and stuff. Cause like something I've been, been thinking about doing that. It is a massive, idea, massive idea. source of business, but I just, I just it's think like a like roll up, right? Daryl, like you, sorry to interrupt you there, but like you roll it up, like you slap some tech on it, right? Like into like, you know, make a, like, I agree with you that tech will never fully replace an agent, but you have like a bunch of shit agents, like these like modern TikTok like people who have no skill, right? You put good automation systems in behind them. You go start buying books off of old timers who have real relationship businesses built. And then these kids just like slide right in. You know, you're calling everybody who's, who, who's this person's past client. Hey, so-and-so just joined my new like tech enabled brokerage or whatever. I'm surprised nobody's done it yet, honestly. But. Nobody has done it yet my friend but it's coming you want to you want to roll up soon. you want to roll up old timer brokerages i'm super down man yeah, let's I'm go down. i got let's the software cooking in the background already to do this okay let's go let's go okay. okay so hold on you just you got me all excited and you derailed me so okay uh, by the way we have like 80 people watching right now so steve i don't know what you're looking at but we have 83 concurrent viewers this thing is on fire Okay. It was the, the questions there that we probably missed. We should check there's those out. There's a million. I can't even keep up with them. Steve's, Steve's a real host right now, actually. Or, sorry, Matt's the real host right now, actually. Absolutely. He's like, get, get to those questions. We're man. making deals here on the show. He wants to get some questions out. Um, so, okay, I have a question for you guys. What are the best sales strategies, not for right now, for where we are at in the market? So we've gone from like, you just have to have a listing you put it up, there's a bidding war, you sell everything to now maybe those aren't working so well. I think it's a good idea to price it right. Pricing it right is like all of a sudden a good strategy, which is interesting in and of itself. What's the next strategy when it gets worse, when the when the 75 point hammer comes down again next month, when there's more blood in the streets when there's more inventory out there. What's the next best strategy for people to think about right now? If they're thinking about maybe waiting a bit to see what happens in a couple months, which does anybody think it will get better in the next are couple you, months? Are you talking about from an agent's point of view or from an end user's point of view? Well, I think for an agent to suggest to the end user as this strategy to sell their home. That, that's what I'm asking. So, you know, you guys, I imagine in your presentations, you say, I think this is the best way to do this. And it's based on this, this, and this, and this is the best strategy to get you top dollar for your house. What's it going to be in, uh, uh, in three months from now? I don't even do listing presentations, man. Oh, sorry. I, just, I, I wasn't asking Mr. Foch. No, uh, but I do like, my thing is just to people. It's like, I just, I'm a results guy, right? It's like, people know that I'm going to work hard for them. That's about it. But I, I don't even know, man. I don't, I don't know the right answer. Put it, put it up, respond to the market. Like that's, that was my strategy in any market, really like price it as, as close as possible to, to market value. And if the market doesn't like it, reduce the, the price. <laughs> like, Yeah. Given, given from a, like a real estate agent's point of view, if you want to you know, try and get more clients. I think this group does a great job because it's like educate people, right? Just give them education and they're going to come to you and, and respond to that. As far as like my market right now, if you're putting your listing on next week, honestly, you got to get, you got to get under it, right? Because by the time it's on the market, it's already then also decreased, right? right. Um, one of my partners uses this analogy from 1982, again, when, you know, he got into the business, which is you can't catch a ball unless you get under it, right? Because a falling ball right now, which is what we're getting, you got to get your mitt underneath of it. So if you are the guy that prices at the last price, you're not selling now. Chasing. 
right? You're chasing it down. Then, then in 21 days when you're like, oh man, I really should have listened to you. I, let's go to that price. Well, that price is now gone, right? right. You got to get under that. Well, so you've got to get was, under it. Yeah. So how, how do you get under it? When you like, when, when underpricing, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that like I, I would price that market typically, but yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, right? Wait, but yeah. that, that involves a client like going along with the plan, right? Like they have right. to go like, you, oh you're yeah, you're right. Example. What's that? I can give you a real world example because yeah, I've been through this before. I know what it's all about. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a, a young guy that was trying to sell a condo in our market. That was a really, really tough thing to get sold a few years ago was a condo. And I came into him and I said, look, it here is what has been selling. You can throw it in the garbage. It doesn't matter anymore. Here's what your competition is today. Here's what people are priced at. And here's where we need to be priced at based on what's going on in the market and what your competition is. And he said, okay, great, but I want this or I need this out. And guess what? The market does not care what you want. They don't care what you need. And so we priced it here where he wanted to be and the market was here. And then in a couple of weeks, you know, okay. He says, we should price reduce. Finally, we agree. Okay. So we go down here, but the market's here. And we did this about three or four times and it got us to about four months, five months down the road. And he finally just said, I'm sick of this. What do I got to do? And I was, you know, me, if you, you know, listen the first time, this is where you need to be. Had he sold it the day, you know, at the price point that I told him we needed to be at in the first place, he probably had five to 8% more in his pocket. Right. But he didn't listen. That being said, when we got to the point where he accepted, this is what the market's doing. Uh, we got it sold. And that same condo a few years later was selling for probably 15 to 20% less. So sitting on it, wasn't doing them any good getting out of it was in that case. Um, and so it's just one of those things where, yeah, you can't catch a, a falling ball from on top. You got to be underneath of it and you've got to know as an agent and you've got to be able to educate your sellers, what is going on? What's the direction of the market? And it's not just what's sold, but also what the competition is. Condos are easy because there's going to be 10 more like it. So what's the competition going to do? They're going to look for the lowest price. And if you're unfortunately in a condo, not the lowest price, you're probably in trouble unless your condo is really special. Right. So, so, so yeah. everybody, I guess, is just going through the, 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 the downscaling kind of numbers where it's like, yeah, as the price, price goes like this right? and the interest goes like this, this is where you're at. Like, is that every single conversation right now? Yeah, it's basically. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. So I mean, look, like, I mean, we're like, it's like crickets out there. Like I, I the last I think we got like four or five listings and and like they're not getting even showings, right? Like we're getting like two, three showings. Like the market's like dead. Like there, you know, and the the ones that are, you know, it's a, there's like the odd beauty pageant stuff that if you can present it well and, and underprice it super severely, right? Like I'd say there's a little bit of activity, but you know, like you're still hearing about bidding wars of like 14 offers, whatever, four offers in, in the GTA, but the house was underpriced by like freaking 200 grand, 500 grand, whatever. Right. And it was like a very unique product for that price range or whatever. Here's a strategy you can think of for a listing too, right? This is an easy way to explain it to people. So everybody can kind of picture it in their head. If you are now a resale property and you have like, um, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's say there's 10 comparables because there's on your street, there's a lot of houses for sale now. Well, you have to stack those up and you just have to 
think about it as like, okay, if, if there's only going to be one sale this month, we have to make sure we're that sale, right? Because there's only right. going to be one sale. Yeah. So in order to do that, we have to be in first place in order to win this month's race of getting your property sold. So if you're not, if you look at that list and you're not the one that's getting the book showings, so let's say the top three of those 10 are going to get showings. The other ones are going to get nothing, right? And then one of those three might actually, so now you have to be the best out of these 10 people and you have to be the best out of those top three to get sold. So if you can objectively look at that with your comparable listings, you have to be, and unfortunately, most of the time that's price, right? It's not always price, but most of the time that's price. So you have to look at those uh, comparable listings that you're trying to sell against. And that's kind of where Matt was saying, like, you, it doesn't matter what sold three months ago, because unless you get a time machine, we're not going back there, right? So we got to now look, okay, where's the market headed and what is our competition doing? And we have to be the best of the competition. We are no longer bidding uh, or multiple uh, offers, right? We're multiple listings and the buyer gets to pick now, right? The buyer gets to pick who the multiple offer or who their offer goes to, not the other way around anymore. So it's, and that's not a bad thing. That's a cyclical market, right? That's not a terrible thing. Well, okay. So I'm glad you said that. Okay. So um, if anybody wants to bow out, no problem. Sayonara. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to stick around, we appreciate it. Um, what was I going to just ask you guys? Um, Do we want to talk about what a buyer needs to know in a declining market? Yeah, absolutely. I actually didn't want, I, I did want to jump in on my buy side advice back then too. So I appreciate that one and I'll, and then I'm going to sign off. But um, my, my advice is just go variable and wait, right? Like commit, commit to going to a variable rate mortgage, stop playing the, the chicken game with, with fixed rates and, commit to variable, know that you're paying the capital costs. You can, you can, when rates come down, you can get a better rate and just wait for prices to be where you want them to be. Honestly, that's my advice because they're coming down and they're not going to, they're not going to stop coming down until inflation's under control. And what were you going to say there, Matt? Uh, so as a buyer, I mean, that was, this was something I dealt with for a long time was buyers going to, should I wait? That's not an obvious question, but also how do I protect myself as a buyer in a market that is seeing declining prices. Well, you can't insulate yourself and say, I'm going to buy the house that's guaranteed to not go down. So you have to accept that as a buyer, that the house you buy, the chances of it goes down a declining market are pretty good. And so as long as you're willing to accept that, that's a good start. But look at what's a, something that is, what are the appealing factors in houses? What do people desire? And if you can find that house, so whether it's close to schools, I mean, again, houses that are close to schools never go to style. Houses that are in quiet cul-de-sacs never go to style. That back parks, they're near walkable or transportation or things like that. Those things don't go out of style. And those are always desirable. And you want to buy a house that has, that can appeal to the widest number of buyers. Like Steve said, you want to be you know, that person that's going to get the showings. So if you're buying a house that has a large appeal to a lot of different buyers, even in a bad market, good houses that appeal to a lot of people still sell and they still sell for good amounts of money compared to the crappy house that's on the busy street that doesn't have the right number of bedrooms. It's in a high crime neighborhood, stuff like that. So, so for realtors, the last few years have been unbelievable. Now we're going into times that may not be as unbelievable. How do we balance? Like what, what are we thinking? Like, 
How, how do we uh, take a vacation? Is it time to Get take buyers. a break? Is it time yeah, to yeah. take a break and count the money? No, Summer, I'm maybe. So uh, I'm a buyer's agent. Yes. in pre-construction, um, but I'm a buyer's agent. And so last year, you know, and early this year, projects were getting two or 3000 worksheets and they had, they were releasing 300 units. So that's a 10 to one oversubscription, right? So no matter how close I am with the developer, if I bring 30 worksheets, I'm not getting 30 units. I could be the number one broker for that, for that particular developer. And I'm still not allocating all of my clients a unit. So I have to make those hard calls, which also translates to losing the client, right? So to me, I'm actually super stoked about this. We're seeing lots of product come to market. We know for a fact, pre-construction prices aren't going to come down because input costs aren't coming down. And so there's going to be a glut of pre-construction inventory where as a client, you actually get to pick, right? Because a couple, a couple of months ago, it was, here's a floor plan. Yeah, it's an obstructed view. Yeah, it's a little higher than our price list said it was going to be. But you have 24 hours to sign for it. It goes to one of the other nine people that are ready to sign for it today. Whereas now they get to choose. They get to cross-reference multiple projects. They get to do their research on the developer. They get to even negotiate on closing costs and development caps and reduce all those things in their 10-day closing. They get to pick the best floor plan with the best view um, and have full transparency during the process and not feel like they're being squeezed, right? So I'm actually super excited about a slow market. I also... I'm a big proponent uh, of, you know, maybe some of these part-time agents dropping out for good because there is a lot of refraff on the They can't eat. Well, so, so, so it's interesting though. It's like we, we, we're seeing like people are making um, decisions based on statistics that are lagging, right? So we are seeing numbers that would suggest that we are currently not in a buyer's market. But based on everything I hear and probably based on everything you guys are seeing and feeling, I mean, it's definitely shifted. Well, maybe not in Saskatchewan, but it's definitely shifted from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Like, didn't we drop right through like an even market? We just haven't seen it kind of fall through the chart yet. But from what you feel. I don't think most of us remember what a balanced market. Well, Matt, for sure, you're fine. But I don't think most of us remember what a balanced market was. Like when I came in, I, I mean, licensed December, 2008, great time, right? Um, it, it was very normal to have a listing on for 90, 120 days and, you know, one showing a week and you still got, you know, on your team or on your, you know, agent or whatever can still easily sell at that time, 40 or 50 homes a year. It's just a lot slower. You carried 17 to 20 listings, right? So I now have right now more listings than I've ever had on the market since 2014 at one time, right? So we're just getting back to that. There are, the thing that's been, I I think really missed is we saw like in my market right now, we're still not out of 2022 pricing, right? We're, We're still in 2022 pricing. So you had January, February, March, and then off a cliff, right? So- at that point, somebody doesn't like my opinion over there. Um, at, at that point, we're, we're seeing that come off, but that was there for a month and a half, right? That was there for two months. That wasn't real pricing. So now what we're going to see is out the other side, how much is going to be left over. Now, I think that's only going to be in a worse spot, unfortunately, because nobody was counting on interest rates. I think, what did Scotiabank say um, in November last year? They're going to see eight hikes or something, eight, eight quarter point yeah. hikes. And we're going to be at like 12 or 15 by the end of the year. Like <laughs> at this pace, right? Like that's, that's not what we saw coming. 
right? right? We all sneezed. Like we all just said, there's no way eight hikes. That's crazy. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But, hold, but hold on. The Bank of Canada has a dual mandate. Yeah. Employment, I, I, which is great right now. And you're when, starting to see a rollover. Job is exclusively in tech so far. It's rolling but it's over, but it's still at a good pace. Like it's still at a good clip. For now. For now. Well, that's what that's what I'm getting at is we're basing shit on uh, stats from months ago that we haven't even really felt the the impact of things that have happened. And I mean, what's the rule of thumb for when interest rates really hit the economy? When do we really feel it? Six months later, a year later, like we haven't felt anything yet. And now as people's inventories have just grown like crazy and everybody's got more than they can sell. The, the supply chains are all fucked up again and they're not getting better anytime soon. Uh, listen, guys, this has been amazing. I appreciate everybody's time. It has been almost an hour and 45 minutes. So thank you so much for sticking around. We really appreciate it. We'll have to do this again sometime. Everybody, you can check out Mr. Steve on multiple channels, the Steve Karish channel on YouTube, also the Tom Story Show starring Steve Karish. That's amazing. And the Bald Prairie Real Estate, check out Matthew Pfeiffer. His channel is amazing as well. And then we have Mr. Jordan Skrinko from the Jordan Skrinko Show or the Pre-Condo Show or whatever we're calling it. But he is a YouTuber. He does not sell real estate. And me, <laughs> Daryl Frankfort, I'm from who knows where and who knows why. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Until Guys. This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This Landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're going to actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient. And it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before. Like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it. I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free. Please click the link below for your free trial offer. New on Curiosity Stream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.